0: Good morning, good morning. Hi, I'm Chris Herman. I'm an elder here at the church. And I was asked to talk to you all about how is Church at the Red Door impacting the community? And it took me a little time to figure this out, but I thought about it and I said, you know, every one of us in this room is impacting the community in some way, because the church really isn't a building, it's a community of people. And every day we have the opportunity to show people who Jesus is, either if we're a pastor or if we're a volunteer, or in my case, I own a business. Our businesses can impact the community. And when I came upon that, I said, well, let me me tell you guys about a story about how Church at the Red Door is helping the homeless in the city of Indio. The uh, Miles Avenue Park is a park that's been in the city of Indio for, I would say, 30 to 40 years. It's the city's oldest park. And this is the part where the business part of how you contribute to the community can really come together in a way that God prepared you for that you don't even realize is going to make an impact. We were hired to do a master plan for this project. And part of that was a community outreach process. And they have a big big issue there with homelessness, with gang activity, and really was driving the community away from what is is considered a treasure in the city. Through that process, there was an old picnic shelter that uh, many of the homeless were living in. And it was their home. It was their place that they could feel comfortable and safe, but it wasn't a place where the city felt comfortable and safe and the community certainly didn't. The police department engaged on their own time to be part of the community's uh, various activities that they took place there, whether it was a dog show or even with the community that was uh, feeding the homeless there, the narrow door, which is where the connection with Church of the Red Door really gets interesting the shelter was removed as part of the master planning process the homeless while the city wanted to get rid of them actually were further embraced by church at the red doors youth see church at the red door youth now serves once a month at miles avenue park as part of the narrow door along with some other volunteers so what indirectly was going to be a way to get rid of the homeless was a way for the community of Church of the Red Door and the youth to embrace the homeless and show the hands and feet of Jesus in ways that no one really planned for, no one really expected. And we just had the benefit of helping as a a business, make that decision and engage the community. So you never know folks, what seed you're planting, who you're going to impact and what you can do to represent the invisible God as a visible person in the community. So I just, uh, have, I'm just i just pleased to see that uh, our youth is doing this, and you'll see Mike Crane talk a little bit more about that, and I'm going to give this over to Gina McConnell.
1: Good morning. I am uh, Gina McConnell. I'm a mother and a wife and a member of the church, and I just would like to share with you what uh, being a member of Church of Red Door has meant to my family. It takes a village to raise a family, and I have a big big tribe. And so when I walk into church with my family, we are multiracial, we are a multicultural family, and we are a large family. And uh, we are used to getting stared at and getting stared at without smiles. But when I get out of my car and Craig is there to meet my family and looks me in the eye and embraces each one of my children and knows the sports that they play in And knows their names, and it looks them in the eye and embraces them. It touches my heart to the core. When my Stella and Lila and Mia, and I have many that serve, this church has embraced my children to serve. They have modeled serving. Um, There's many adults in this church that have come alongside my children and helped be my village Uh, Laura Cranford shows up at my house at the drop of a hat. Her father has modeled a servant's heart to the children in Miles Park, shows our kids week after week what it means to serve. The Carlsons have showed up with us to serve through the narrow door, food boxes and thermal. And that's so meaningful to children when they see their older members of their community embrace their younger members of their community. It touches children when they see adults come alongside them. Uh, Sorry, I have to look down at my notes. Uh, Mike and Tracy Groves have met my children right where they are in the middle school ministry. Mike shares stories with the middle school, but he also shares his love of books, and Stella comes home with a vibrant book list week after week, and Tracy calls me at home and asks me, what are you teaching in homeschool so that I can come behind you and reinforce that in our classroom? Mike Crane shows up at my house with In-N-Out Why I'm homeschooling my children just to give me a break in a minute. Jeff Cranford calls when we're sick. I could name so many people at this church that have um, entered into what it means to be part of a community. And what it means to uh, give Jesus love to one another. And I am incredibly grateful to call this church my home. And to call this church my community.
2: What a wonderful family. Incredible what they do. Just unbelievable. My name is Greg Solis. I'm on the board of trustees uh, for Church at the Red Door. And um, I'm humbled to serve. I truly am. I have a wife, Monica, we just celebrated uh, 25 years this last October and we got married when we were 10. (laughs) I have uh, Jack who's uh, 18, just uh, sent him off to Cal Baptist University, Nicole is 16 and Precious Emily 13. And um, my story is unique because I've actually been with Jeff almost from the very beginning Uh, and it's just been an incredible journey. Um, This was right around 2000, 2001. Uh, there was a Bible study going on at La Quinta Country Club, where I was a member at the time. And there was a few gentlemen that kept inviting me to go to this Bible study. And and uh, I said, well, when and where? They said, well, Thursday morning, the men's locker room. I said, Thursday morning, men's locker room. Well, where I was on my spiritual journey at that time, I would be what you would call kind of a, you know, lukewarm Christian, really wasn't a follower of Jesus. But, uh, you know, I went to church on on occasionally. And. And, uh, you know, like to try to give some ties. And so at that time when they invited me to this Bible study, my position was, okay, well, I don't really feel like I want to sit around and sing Kumbaya with a bunch of Christian guys I don't know. And that's just where I was in my arrogance at that time. But it was in the men's locker room at La Quinta Country Club. I thought, well, that's interesting. Isn't that where they drink and smoke and play cards all day long? Yeah, that's the place. I said, you know, I'm curious. Maybe I better go check this thing out. I walk into the Bible study, and, and there's a bunch of men there that, frankly, oh, these guys are pretty respectful guys, and these are the nice guys, and I look across the room on the table, and the teacher at the time was Jeff Cranford, and uh, he spoke right to my heart. I know none of you know what this means when I say this, but the guy spoke right, God used him as a vehicle to speak to my heart. I literally walked out that day, I sat in my car. And I just began to weep because in the state of my arrogance and the position I was in at that time, I felt like God had met me where I was in the men's locker room at La Quinta Country Club using Jeff Cranford to speak directly to me. I continued to go and still go. Frankly, it's hard to believe but it's still going on today. And uh, out of that, things began to be birthed and my heart began to be transformed. And Jeff and I became very close to the point where I I helped him out with highways and hedges and served on his board way back when. And then, of course, out of there, the living room was birth and the living room was an attempt for us to have other people experience what I experienced, which was the authenticity of the word of God being spoken through Jeff. We did that for three years, come rain or shine. We did it every Thursday morning at our home. Thousands circulated through that. Dozens were baptized, and we saw God's hand all over it. It was an unbelievable experience. It really was. Out of that evolved the Red Door, uh, not the church at the Red Door, but the Red Door that began to meet on Wednesdays. God began to show up with that. And then, of course, as we sit here today with church at the the Red Door on Sunday mornings, it's mind-boggling how we got here, absolutely mind-boggling. And I firmly believe God is just scratching the surface on what he wants to do. I have a heart and a passion to see people hear the love of Jesus and hear the gospel in an authentic, genuine way. And I believe with the leaders that God has brought, using Jeff Cranford's um, gift of teaching, it's just been an extraordinary opportunity to bring people in that don't know Jesus, that could hear it for the first time in a way that they could say, oh, my gosh, this is real. And so it's been a great journey for me. I'm truly privileged and humbled to be able to do it. And I'm excited that this is just the beginning of what God's going to do. And I'm privileged and humbled to be a part of it. I really am. With that, I'd like to bring up the pastors. They're going to share a word with you as well.
3: Well, good morning. Some uh, incredible stories about Church at the Red Door and how lives are being impacted. It's, uh, you know, I I just, I hear story after story every week. And I, I think I'm so thankful for all of you and everybody here that volunteers at Church at the Red Door. Uh, I'm Randy Lintigam. I'm one of the pastors here at the church. I have with me uh, Mike Crane who's our next-gen pastor and Paul Burst who's our associate pastor. And what we'd like to do is spend just a few minutes and tell you what God has accomplished here at Church at the Red Door over the last year in terms of the various ministries and the operation of our church. And I'm going to start by talking about something you're probably interested in, but maybe we're afraid to ask, and that is the financials and some numbers. So let me just take a minute with that. And on this next chart, on this first chart here, you'll see our uh, revenue, our, our income, if you will, in attendance. And what's extraordinary about this chart as you look at it, you'll see our revenue continues to grow God's blessing continues to grow in this church. The generosity of all of you continues to grow, even while attendance wanes in the summer. And uh, that's, of course, when many of you go back to your other homes. But God is faithful, and so are you to continue supporting and giving this church. And uh, I can tell you, it's an it's a remarkable trend, and it's one where we, as uh, the pastors in the church, can assure you that we continue to meet. Our monthly commitments of what we have to do month after month with your gracious giving. Uh, secondly, let's take a look at how we are using the resources that God has provided. That's the next chart I'd like to share with you. And this gives you a little bit of breakdown of how we are uh, spending some of the money. Ministry uh, results in about 48% of what uh, the church distributes in terms of resources and ministry includes things like next gen ministry um, and you're going to hear paul talk about the discipleship ministry it includes of course sunday service it includes our real-time live broadcast ministry or live stream that's what's in the ministry bucket there in addition to that we have uh, facility expense it's about 21 percent administration's about 18 percent and kingdom outreach is twelve and a half percent. I know Pastor Paul is going to talk a, little, a bit more about this, but this is where we are supporting other ministries outside of the day-to-day workings of church at the Red Door. Okay, so here, here's a question for you: What in the world is digital presence? Digital presence is our activity in, uh, in the area of social media, and I'm sure most of you are familiar with social media. What we try to do with our digital presence is be at the forefront of connecting with people inside and outside a church at the red door we want to be able to make sure we reach out and allow people the opportunity to connect with crd regardless of what kind of technology they're using so that could be on your phone that could be on a tablet uh, that could be your computer so we support all of those different uh, venues for connecting with church at the red door let me talk for a minute about um, live stream live stream most churches our size typically do not have a live broadcast capability and this chart up here shows you thank you kind of our activity with the live stream broadcast the red line is the live views that's people that have actually watched and are watching Church at the Red Door, like right here today on live stream, they're watching this service live. The other bars are people that have uh, connected with Church at the Red Door through some kind of device and looked at a recording of the service after the fact. And uh, you know we have somewhat of a unique calling here at Church at the Red Door to be able to reach out to people like, uh, like that across the country. And I like to call it our anybody, anywhere strategy. That's what Livestream allows us to do. Uh, let me just give you a, an interesting statistic here. Last Sunday, we had 129, quote, people that viewed Livestream. In addition to that, we had another 219 people, or 219 views that occurred after the fact. They watched the recorded service. And that's about 500 views. And if you think about it, if you watch Church at the Red Door service on a Sunday from your computer, it's maybe two people, maybe you and your wife, or maybe you and a friend, or you and your, your children sitting down watching it. So those views are not a person. It's probably more than one. And if we, if we assume that's about one and a half, then it comes out to about 500, about 500 people. You couple that with the 364 that attended our church service, That's over 850 people last week that Church at the Red Door connected with where people could hear God's word and God's purpose. It won't be long, folks, before 1,000 people are connecting with Church at the Red Door on a Sunday. And that's gonna gonna be an exciting time, I can tell you. One other quick example, and I know Pastor Paul shared this with me. We have many people that aren't here that call Church at the Red Door their home. And this is just one story. Pastor Paul shared with me that Candace Lundy from Canada found CRD online, and she watched it, she learned about it, she listened to the message, she listened to Hear the Gospel, she heard about Rooted, and she contacts Pastor Paul, she wants the materials to start a Rooted group in Vancouver, Canada. How about that? All right, let me just wind this up really quickly, because I'm getting the stop sign down here, if you aren't familiar with that. So uh, I just want to touch real quickly on the last program we have. It's called our Ambassador Program. It's headed by Bob Thompson, and I want to thank Bob for the work that he does on this. But basically, this is a program whereby we want to find those cities that have a concentration of CRD people so that during the summer we can provide a team leader, la an ambassador that can coordinate in that city Bible studies, community impact events, and what we call Jeffrey on Location. And that's where Pastor Jeff goes and visits that city, gets that group of people together, does some teaching, does some fellowship, and it's really a great outreach for our church. We did that as kind of a test basis last summer in Salem, Oregon and and Seattle, Washington. So we're gonna continue to grow that ambassador program as we get more people volunteering for ambassadors and we find more cities that we can select uh, where there's a concentration of CRD people. I think it's about time I got off the podium here, and I want to give this to uh, Mike Crane, Pastor Mike. Thank you, Randy.
4: I'm Mike Crane. I am the Next Gen Pastor here at Church of the Red Door, which means youth and children's ministry. And we've been talking about seasons and times, and in youth and children's ministry, we're in a few different seasons simultaneously following our season of being born in November of 2016. Right now, we're in a season of building as we're adding kids and youth and adding programs and and figuring out the best way to minister. We're in a season of waiting as some things, especially in children's ministry, uh, some of the programming can just be hindered by being in a temporary facility that we're, we're renting. And so because of that season of building and the season of waiting, we're also in a season of experimentation where, and this is really fun, we get to try all sorts of new things as we seek to reach kids and youth and families for Jesus. With that, we have Sunday morning offerings currently for birth through eighth grade, and then the high schoolers are encouraged to come to the adult worship service, hence this space. And then during the week, we have small groups for our high schoolers and our middle schoolers, and we're also experimenting with a Friday afternoon group for high schoolers to try to work around just the craziness that is their schedule. In our children's ministry, we're really focused on the essentials of the Christian faith. So our pre-K and kindergarten class, they have covered just a wide array of Bible stories, but all of them tie into one of three basic truths, and they'll focus on one basic truth each month, And those truths are God made me, um, Jesus loves me, or God loves me, those are the same, (laughs) and Jesus wants to be my friend forever. And we figure if a kid, by the time they get to first grade, can understand those three things deeply, that is a huge win. And then in elementary class, they're focusing primarily directly on the life of Jesus, and so in that, they've gone through series on the parables. They've gone through series on what are the key characteristics of a disciple. They're right now in the early ministry of Jesus. And of course, we've looked at the crucifixion and resurrection. And they're just spending time focusing on Jesus. For the student ministry, of course, they're, they're focused on Jesus. But when we get together in the middle of the week, student ministry centers around relationships. So we're meeting in a home so that we can have small groups there. We call it our, our home group. And in that we, the first 45 minutes or so are just eating together, kids kind of congregate in the different groups they want to, um, get to know each other, get to know their leaders. And then we spend a little bit time, a little bit of time all together. And then we move into the centerpiece of the night which is our small group Bible studies, one group for middle school, one group for high school. And this is where they spend time really digging into the word, getting to know each other, and especially getting to know Jesus by sharing life together and studying the Bible through discussion and questions. And it is just really great. We've seen kids uh, get to know Jesus in a way they never had before. We've had a kid comment, I've never studied the Bible like this. Uh, And then some of the proof that they're really just being changed is they're inviting friends. So one of our middle school students, she invited a friend. That friend came for two or three months um, and is still coming now. But after two or three months, she invited a friend. Then that friend has subsequently invited friends. So exponentially, we're like four links in the chain of, of inviting friends. But that's not all they're doing. A big piece of our student ministry has been serving in community outreach. As Chris mentioned, once a month we go to Miles Park. It's, this is a great story on our kids. They don't let any groups of teenagers come out just because they don't get things done. They don't pay attention. Our group is the only group that they, they let come out there, and they're great. We worship with the people at Church in the park. Most of them are are homeless or lower income, so then we serve a meal afterward. And the relationships we're building are growing deep. One of our families even brought two people from church at the park, they brought them to the Christmas Eve service. Besides just going out to Miles Park, also once a month we're going out to Sunbird Mobile Home Park in Thermal and meeting people's needs out there. The tangible need that we get to meet is providing food, so we take food boxes that narrow door packs for us we take those door to door but also we're sharing the gospel and just being able to get to know families we're seeing the same families month after month being able to pray with them and just being with them in in times of trial of sickness of illness this past month one of the young men that we delivered food to his grandmother had passed away that morning and we had a chance to pray for him a chance to follow up during the month in addition to all this We have students and parents very involved in their FCA, Fellowship of Christian Athletes groups, especially at Xavier and Palm Desert. We have high schoolers that are on the leadership of those groups. We have parents who are volunteering and just helping their their kids share the gospel with their friends. There is a lot going on in next-gen ministry in children's and youth, and the same is true of our discipleship and community outreach ministries. And to tell you more about that is our associate pastor, the one, the only, the man, the myth, the legend, Paul Burst.
5: Thank you, Mike. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I can tell you, my wife and I have been involved in ministry for almost 20 years. And this is our third church plant that we've been a part of. And I want to tell you, as Mike just said, you know, we're in a season of building, and I have never seen a church grow so quickly and impact a community in such a way. I want to share with you just four ministries that have happened just in the past seven months, okay, in the past seven months. The first one is our discipleship ministry. This is a ministry that CRD holds very high, the discipleship of its people. Beginning in May 2017, we began to develop and we rolled out our first church-wide discipleship program called Rooted. Since then, over 70 people have gone through this journey. We have an additional 65 just starting this week for this month and for this season. The stories, can I tell you, have changed lives. It's just amazing. As the Holy Spirit works in and through people's lives, Things are, uh, God is just moving in such a powerful way. And it's not just Rooted that's been launched, all right, in the last seven months. We have a Christianity 101 program, okay, for those who are new in the faith. We have a mentorship program, one-on-one mentorship that's offered here at the church. We have our links players, okay, which we have the complete listing of all the Bible studies going on in the area that people can find out and find a place to get plugged in. We have community Bible studies. We've got men and women's Bible studies. The women's Bible study right now has over 50 women in it. This has all been transpiring, friends, just putting this all together. All these locations at all these times, they're found on the website. If you haven't visited our website, I would encourage you. You need to check it out. Everything's there. And not only that, we have also been, launched our outreach ministry here. To be God's hand and feet in the community, to be out in the community, we're joining God where he's working. What I'm saying is we're not creating new ministries. We're partnering. We're forming partnerships here in this valley. We're forming partnerships with those who are already part of our church family, and we're working with them to reach the people in this community and actually around this country and around this world. You've seen a couple of them, Angel Tree, right? Prisoners' kids, meeting the needs of them with our Christmas time. We also do camps and stuff with them. We got Coachella Valley Rescue Mission, right? We have so many here that are part of the mentorships. Part of them are part of our family here. They made a huge, they're making a huge difference in our church. We got the narrow door, you heard all about it. Blanket dry, feeding the homeless. This has all been, friends, this has all been going on in the last seven months. We got mama's house, all right, where it offers pregnant women who have nowhere to go, a place to go. We work with Fellowship of Christian Athletes, Olive Crest, King School, Young Life, Untamed Generation, Lynx Fellowship, Israel College of the Bible. All these ministries are found on our website. Every one of them, you can find a short video clip, just two minutes long, that tells you just what's going on and what it's all about, how it's affecting the valley. Can I encourage you? Check it out. Check it out. God may be calling you to serve in one of these wonderful ministries. And then we got our compassion ministry. In the last 60 days, we've begun to develop and enrolled out a compassion ministry here at the Church of the Red Door. It's a wonderful ministry to be involved in because we meet the needs of our people and those outside of our church with services such as hospital and rehab visitations. We give doctor rides. We do meal delivery, grief counseling, bereavement, addiction counseling. We offer prayer to all these people. This is a ministry that meets people at their most vulnerable points of life. And finally, we have just launching right now, in seven months, an event ministry. Recently, we're just in the process of implementing it. At CRD, believe me, we know the importance of community. And a wonderful way to bring people together is through events. Am I right? Just a wonderful way. You're going to be seeing things rolling out. We're going to have barbecues and chili cook-offs, weekend getaways, destination day trips, speaker series. These are all going to be happening as we wander in through 2018. I don't know about you. I find this stuff exciting. Maybe it's just me. Okay? These four ministries, again, happened because of people like you from all these volunteers and the support in the last seven months. It's incredible what God's doing in and through this church. Romans says this, Romans 12, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, we form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. In my final moment, let me just say thanks to all of you that just said yes to God, use me. In whatever way, Lord, just use me to make a difference in this community. So let me just now introduce to you Jeff Cranford. You know, one of the gifts that God has given to Jeff Cranford is the gift to be a visionary. We would all not be here today if it wasn't for Jeff saying yes to God's vision. So everyone, please welcome our senior pastor, Jeffrey Cranford.
6: So brother, I love you. You're amazing, executive pastor. And we got a tie on our youth guy. That's amazing. That never happens. And people say there is no God. That is not true. I love these guys. Well, let's pray one more time. Uh, Father, we thank you for this morning. Uh, this is an indication that your spirit is moving among us. Uh, it's your spirit moving on the hearts and the minds of uh, CRD. And CRD is what? It's a community, as uh, was alluded to by Paul, a common unity. The common unity is Jesus. It's transformed our lives. And Father, now we want to take that transformation and take it out into the culture and uh, maybe even beyond the Coachella Valley, and I believe that's already happening. Father, be with us this morning as we cast a little bit more vision and as we talk about the times and the seasons. In Jesus' name, amen. Look, I don't know if you're a visitor. I know we have a lot. If you're a visitor here this morning, this you, you came on a unique day. The unique day is kind of the state of the church, if you haven't already been able to see that. So we've been talking about what's been happening, but now we want to talk a little bit, too, about what season it is. So I'm going to do a little teaching and... I might even slide into a little preaching, I'm not sure, we'll see, and uh, we're going to talk about times and seasons, always asking the question both personally and as a church and then even as a nation too at times you'll apply these, but times and seasons, let me ask you a question. You're here in 2018, Coachella Valley, for whatever reason, how you got here, God knows who how? Literally, God knows how you got here. And I think there's a, I used to, when I was growing up, I'd hear occasionally said, you know, somebody would say, well, you know, you're here tonight because God has you here at a specific time, at a specific, a specific place. And I used to think, you know, that's manipulation. I mean, the guy's just trying to convince me that whatever he tells me to do, I need to do because I'm here at this particular time. Therefore, God is clearly speaking to me. And yet, as I've grown to understand the text The sovereignty of God is absolutely, and without fail, absolutely true. The sovereignty of God. I do believe you're here. I believe that I'm here. I don't know how I got here. My story is kind of long and I won't go into it, but somehow I was at qualifying school for the tour years ago in Dallas and I was headed to Florida and I just happened to be playing with Sandy Armour's grandson. Not Tommy Armour, not the third, but Sandy Armour. I mean Tommy Armour's grandson, Sandy Armour. Sandy goes, Where are you headed? I go, I'm going to Florida. I'm gonna make my you know I'm gonna make it on the tour. And he goes, Oh, have you ever played Bermuda Grass Greens? And I said, No. He said, You don't have a chance. He goes, turn the car around and go, and go west, young man. I knew one person in the Coachella Valley, and he just happened, one person in the west, even, I would say, even west of maybe Texas, uh, other than a relative or two in New Mexico. And he says, well, you ought to go out there. And I, I bunked up with the guy and his wife for a while, and then uh, she kicked me out of the house. But I was here, and that was 30 years ago. How I got here was precarious, strange and very unintended, and yet I'm here in 2018. So why? Why are you here? Why are you here this morning? Why are you in this valley? Uh, I think about Acts chapter 17. Paul's preaching to this group called the Areopagus on Mars Hill, and he says something very unique. Uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 24. The God who made the world and all the things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth does not dwell in temples made with hands. And I got the wrong verse. See, I told him that early. I'm going to give it to you what I was uh, looking for here. Acts chapter 17. Now check this out. Check this out. And then verse 25. Neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives life and breath to all things. And he made from one every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth having determined, catch this, their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitations. Now that, in and of itself, you may just kind of read over that. That is revolutionary. To believe that you've actually been placed in time and space with specificity and foreknowledge by God blows your mind. Because what it does, is it begins to beg the next question. Is there a plan for my life? We've been looking at that. Plan? Like, or do you just kind of go through and try to be the best person you can be and maybe go to church every once in a while? Or is there something deeper? Have I been put here at this time and at this place with purpose? And that's the question I'm asking all the time. I mean, when we planted this church, I'm like, Lord, really now? Is it now the time? And then why in the Coachella Valley? I mean, if you're going to plant a church, you never want to do it in the Coachella Valley, especially among the demographic That many of us have been ministering in and we knew was going to be the launch group was going to be you snowbird people who have other houses and maybe two or three or four other houses and you're here for a while maybe in for two weeks and then you're gone and then you're back for three weeks and then then you leave and then then you're not we don't even see you at all for seven months if I'm going to plant a church no way am I going to plant a church there and yet I'm here and one thing we know well, I, I can absolutely, and I will go to my grave knowing this. There are some things that I think, I think the Lord is speaking. This. One thing I know without a shadow of a doubt is God said, plant this church two years ago. Plant this church. And I think Laura and I both have been just uh, in awe of the teams of people that have come around this vision even in the last two years. I mean, we're only just over a year old, and look, this is just the, this is just the 830 service we're going to and then we'll have the 10:30 service and we'll have the, we'll get to do all this over again. This is incredible and yet why You know, Daniel 2 says God establishes leaders. 21, he says he establishes leaders. He raises leaders up, talking about kings, and he deposes them. We talked about that as it relates to politics. Like it or not, God raises up leaders, all leaders, and then he removes leaders. But it also says that he changes the times and the epochs. An epoch is just a designated period of time. God is in charge of time and space. Now, what I want to talk to you before I get to a little bit of the vision I want to talk to you just a little bit about something very interesting. Now, some of this, you say, well, you're reading too much into this, Jeff. You're you're kind of overstating the case. But there is a tribe, if you remember, the 12 tribes of Israel. One of those tribes, uh, born of Jacob, born of Leah, uh, was a guy named Issachar. Issachar. Now, what's so fascinating about Issachar is that Issachar, something very profound was written about this tribe. And I'm going to read now First Chronicles chapter 12. It says, And the sons of Issachar, men who understood the times, and this is important, with knowledge of what Israel should do. Now, once I read that, I remember reading that many years ago, I just was fascinated. I said, why would this be a distinguishing factor among all the tribes for a specific tribe Issachar, this is a tribe specifically. Now, this was in a prophecy given by Jacob and really probably already getting some insight into the way Issachar lived his life and prognosticating on out into the future. Now, I said, look, I want to know more about the tribe of Issachar. And I remember doing this. I have never to this day taught on this and all the year 20 years of sometimes teaching six times a week and many of you in the fellowship groups and links and around the country of all the thousands of hours I've ever taught I've never taught specifically on the tribe of Issachar but in the context of our question is what is the time and the season is there a specific time that God has you in the Coachella Valley has us together collectively as a community and for what purpose and that's the question, the deeper question that we're asking. I want to look at a few of the characteristics of the tribe of Issachar. I want to look at Genesis 49. Genesis 49. Now, by the way, the Chronicles passage was really something that, was, uh, uh, that described Issachar as they were coming to Hebron uh, with David. Now, specifically, Jacob's prophecy. Are you ready? Genesis chapter 49, verse 14. Issachar, now catch this, is a strong donkey lying down between the sheepfolds. And then verse 15, when he saw their resting place was good and that the land was pleasant, he bowed his shoulder to bear burdens and became a slave at forced labor. And you say, well, that's not, why would we want to buy into that? First of all, I've always wanted to say, Lord, if there is something like the Issachar spirit, I want that. Now that may sound a little charismatic to you. I'm just saying whatever was in Issachar, I want that spirit on me. Not too different than what Elisha wanted from Elijah. He says, "I want double portion of Elijah's spirit," and then it was poured out on Elisha. I want the same spirit that was in that tribe of Issachar. I want that in us, me personally, my family, and now now my church family. Lord, that we would be sensitive to the times. Now, what's interesting about this is it says that he is a strong donkey. Now, first of all, who wants to be a donkey? (laughs) But a donkey is a burden-bearing soul. A donkey is an animal that's called to bear burdens, to take on a little bit what Jesus referred to when he says, look, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are those in some ways who take on the burdens of others. Jesus perfectly patterned this when he got down on his feet, got down on his knees and began to wash his own disciples' feet, the ones he was just in short order going to be dying for. Now some uh, guys that go back in and look at this and they say, well, look, Issachar lived in the Jezreel Valley and it was a trade route and what they were just too happy and they just took on burdens because they didn't want to they didn't want to get into battle and they were and the, and so you see some of these and I say not in the total context of Issachar this is a this is now in the Old Testament this would be considered something negative because we want to be the head and not the tail. And then Jesus comes along with this revolutionary idea that, no, there's going to be a people in the future that are actually going to be bearing burdens of others. And I also think, and interestingly so, why would it say he lies down between the sheepfolds? If you go to John chapter 10, verse 16, Jesus said, I have other sheep, in another foal that you don't even know about. In other words, this isn't just about Jews. I think he was referencing the Gentile world, but I also think he was saying, okay, yeah, you guys have been washed by my, uh, by my words. You've been made clean, he said in John 15, because of the words that I've spoken to you. In other words, they embrace the gospel, but there's sheep in another pen that haven't heard that message yet, and you're going to take that message to them. See, there's, a, there's certain kinds, and, and again, this isn't a criticism. But there, and I think churches are some maybe t- sometimes established to do this. Just discipleship. There's a lot. There's a heavy focus on themselves and their spiritual growth, and that certainly will be in some ways what we are. But let me tell you something. I want the spirit of Issachar. I want us to be out. I want us to have a church and come here together, but then go out. I want us to be lying down between the sheep foals. us so concerned about the sheep in the other fold that God has already selected for His kingdom, but we're going to have to go out. In other words, we are going to be not an inward-looking church, but an outward-looking church. You've heard me say this from the very beginning. The primary purpose of the church at the Red Door is not, let me say this very clearly, is not primarily to provide religious services for religious people. That is not the primary reason I'm here. I am a missionary at heart. I've been doing that for 20 years. We've got over 200 groups at Lynx. I'm still uh, acting president of Lynx. We've got over 200 fellowships around the country and growing. Look, my heart is to reach back into some places, especially in this valley, the people that are unreached. Dr. Cedar's here this morning with us. You know he's one of our overseers. When he told me, he said, Jeff, if every church was filled twice every single Sunday here in the valley, we would barely reach 15% of the valley. People say, well, you don't need another church. You don't need another church. We've got plenty of churches around here. Well, I think we need to lie down between the sheepfolds. I think we need to be cautious of the sheep that are yet in another fold. One distinguishing characteristic, Issachar. Deuteronomy chapter 33. I love this, man. This is very much plays into the very first idea. Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 18. Of Zebulun, he said, rejoice, Zebulun in your going forth, and Issachar in your tents. And then verse 19, they will call people to the mountain. There they will offer righteous sacrifices, for they will draw out the abundance of the seas and the hidden treasures of the sand. Now, let me tell you something. I I do believe that this is something that we are called to do not just because we live among mountains, but because we are calling people to a new kind of sacrifice. The Old Testament prophets all saw it. There's coming a day when there's going to be righteous sacrifices. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 15 and 16. Catch this. Paul, in the light of this sacrifice, look, we've, the final sacrifice in terms of atonement, you can't work your way to God. You can't appease God. Quit trying to do it. Jesus came for the purpose of making things right with God. That's the last and final. That's why Jesus, as he was hanging on the cross, said, it is finished. You can't do anything more to get to me. I've come down to you to embrace you as a family. But now, if you want to offer a sacrifice, listen to what Paul says. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise, a life of praise to God. That is the fruit uh, of lips that give thanks to his name. And then verse 16, "'And do not neglect doing good, sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased.'" What kind of sacrifice? Where are we going to be calling people here in the valley? We're going to call them to the mountains, a place to worship, a place, not the high places of the Old Testament where they would worship and sacrifice their children. And No, 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 no. We're calling people up much to a much higher place, which is a place where Jesus dwells, and that they might offer sacrifices." Now, Judges 5, verse 15, just says that they, this tribe of Issachar was described as having great resolves of heart. So when they fought with Deborah and Barak in these battles and the judges, Issachar was not st- back uh, without valor, not you know, holding back. They were courageous, man. They, they charged right into the middle of the battle. You don't think we're fighting cultural wars these days? I mean, we are in the middle of one of the most profound cultural transformations that I've certainly seen in 54 years, and I will tell you that some uh, of you would say, and I would think you would agree, that said, no, we've never seen anything like this. What's happening? What's shaping our culture? Will we, as we saw at Mama's house uh, yesterday afternoon, uh, will we have a seat at the table here locally in the Coachella Valley? Will we have a seat at the table to be able to speak in? We've talked about impacting the world by engaging the valley socially, spiritually, and culturally. Are we going to do that? Well, we're going to have some fallout. There, will, there are going to be people that come against us. Or we can just stay off in our little holy huddle, stay in our own pen, if you will, our own fold, and not go into a culture with the transforming message of the true gospel, not religiosity. Who wants that? The transforming message of Jesus. Do you want that? I think Issachar went straight into it. And then finally, First Chronicles 7. Uh, this is, for me, uh, incredibly powerful and something I, I personally want to emulate. So First Chronicles uh, chapter 7. Let's look here. I want to go down here to verse 2 because it just goes through a bunch of names. It says, These are mighty men of valor in their generations. And then again, verse 5, it says, And their relatives among all the families of Issachar... Were mighty men of valor. Valor is just courage. Usually it relates to war, wartime. It's just an absolute, unwavering courage in the midst of what could ultimately cost them their lives. Now, let me tell you something. In the Coachella Valley, did anybody get up today thinking, wow, if I go worship and think about Jesus today, I may lose my very life? I mean, come on. You want to talk about uh, Disneyland? We live in Disneyland, and all of us know it. I mean, even worse, Laura and I, half the year in Aspen and half the year here. I mean, come on. Is that reality? And yet people are here. Lives are here. And I would tell you this as we move on into the future vision of Church at the Red Door. I would tell you this. I think we are in the middle of an absolute spiritual gold mine. Let me ask you the question, if some of the people you know, do you know the influencers that come here from around the world? I mean, I was at the Vintage Club just the other day just speaking, and somebody said, yeah, well, Bill Gates and uh, Warren Buffett are here, and then it just goes on, and then Larry Ellison's been buying up the whole valley. I mean, there are more people in this valley, even among you right now, they're Fortune 500 CEOs, ex, current, whatever, right here among you this morning. The, the amount of people that come here with influence from around the world, do we want to be influencers or are we called? Beyond the local reach, which you've seen is happening, are we called? Do we have a particular call to reach out into culture and have an impact? I think we do. I think, there, I think we've been given as a church an opportunity to reach into influencers. I just do. I think it's going to increase. And the question is, how in the world will that ever possibly happen? Now, before I look at this, I want to look at this final thing. I want to go to Mark chapter 11. I'm not going to read the whole thing, I'm going to give you a quick summary. Mark chapter 11. This is the triumphal entry. This is Jesus going to the cross, and this is some of the worst timing. This is not the spirit of Issachar, this is not understanding the signs and the times. And not, had had no idea what Israel should do. Jesus is coming down on the proverbial donkey that Zachariah had prophesied. He's entering in, and they are saying, they are hailing him as king. They are quoting Psalm one eighteen: "Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord." This is what we call Palm Sunday, and they're they're throwing these leaves out out, and as, so he can walk over them in their coats. And and this is this is Jesus. This is the this is the king. He's going to finally overthrow the Romans. Now, would will Jesus one day silence every voice and every kingdom will bow down? Absolutely. But did they get the time and the season right? No, he came to die. Jesus didn't come. He came as a king, but he came as a dying king. He came as a lamb that was slain before the foundations of the earth according to John in his in his revelation. Who did Jesus? How badly did they misperceive the time? that Jesus came. Let me just say, and and did it cost them? It cost them a lot. You know, Jesus in Luke 19, let me read this. Jesus knew that they were going to miss the time and the season, and when he approached Jerusalem, he saw the city and he wept over it. You know, sometimes I think if Jesus were to approach the Coachella Valley, would he weep? Think about that for a minute. I mean, in all of our hubbub and all of our things going on, I'm not trying to wear you out. I'm talking to me. Some of you say, well, I, I enjoyed, and you hear me say this a lot. I was just talking to myself, and you got to listen in. When I think about the Coachella Valley, and I think about my life in the Coachella Valley, and that I'm put here for a particular time to be light and to have an influence, would Jesus weep? He wept over Jerusalem, and he said, If you had known in this day even you the things which make for peace, But now they have been hidden from your eyes, for the days will come upon you when your enemies will throw up a barricade against you, surround you and hem you in on every side, and they will level you to the ground and your children within you, and they will not leave in you one stone upon another because you did not recognize the time of your visitation. See, they did not have the spirit of Issachar. They were they were they were recognizing him as king, but they had missed it at least to this day by two thousand years, and counting. That was a bad miscalculation, and it cost them their very lives. Now, am I saying that if we miscalculate or we don't walk into the fullness? of our calling. It'll cost us our lives. I don't believe so, but I do believe, I do believe this all my heart, that if we don't stand up in the capacity that we've been called, I'm not saying we're the ultimate church. There are many unique and beautiful churches here in this valley. Many of the pastors are close friends, and I hope to continue to build those relationships with pastors. But I think Church at the Red Door has a unique calling in this time and in this place and if we don't rise up and walk into that calling, then someone else will. I do believe that because I do believe that God will reach the influencers in this valley who will then take it well beyond the borders of church at the red door. And I believe take it around the world. Just one man or woman worth a, a billionaire, a, somebody worth half a, mil, a half a billion dollars, just one man or woman transformed and, be, and becoming a kingdom person can absolutely take. Imagine the impact that that one person could have. And how many... How many people in this valley do we have worth well in excess of $100 million? Now, let me tell you something. They are no more important to anybody than someone who's uh, $10 billion in debt. It, it, God is a respecter of no people, but we also have to be strategic and recognize the call that we've been given. So, in closing, I want to I cast out now for the next few minutes what does it look like potentially with church at the red door without without hype, manipulation, coercion or anything because look I don't know what the Lord is gonna do and I don't know exactly the time. I told you earlier this is what we know as a pastoral staff and as a team. God called us to plant the church. Now we have to begin to examine who are the people that God are that God is sending. Who are they that He is sending to church at the Red Door and what does the platform look like and then a little bit about what's in my heart generally. First of all, I think you would know if you've been here at any for any given time at all, Church at the Red Door is different. It's not typical. You know, worship videos and this and that and their lecture hall and it's a different kind of place. In some ways, we're like every other God called pillar of the truth church. But in some ways, we are slightly different. Why? I think we have a unique call. As I said earlier, I think that we've been called uh, beyond our borders. I really do believe that. I don't know what Livestream will eventually turn into. I don't know if it'll be 1,000 or 15 or 20 or 50,000 people. I have no idea. I've seen it before. I've seen Rob Bell. I, became, I, I heard about Rob Bell once, and now Rob Bell has kind of turned his back on the faith. But I tell you what, out of Mars Hill up in, up in, the, up, up in the central north, it was amazing. Virtually overnight, they went to a hundred thousand people. And you say, "Well, you're no Rob Bell." Well, I'm not a Rob Bell, and I'm not suggesting I am. And I'm not. I don't know what the Lord's going to do, but I do see a, an exponential increase in those that are being impacted. And we get letters every week by people who said, "You know, this is being life to my very soul." I don't know what that looks like in the future. I don't know what kind of impact. I think that's, you know, we're. It's almost like you just shoot a shotgun out. But I will tell you something that I think the Lord's going to have some impact there and not only with people that are never part of Church at the Red Door but many of you who are mobile I'll say you have a lot of ability to be here here and here and here and there and many of you have given us feedback that how much you appreciate the ability to in some way stay connected with Church at the Red Door through the live stream and I'll tell you this at this point all of our AV guys from Pete Dine and Randy and all the guys on the cameras and, and Anthony and ever, all the guys can you just tell them how much you appreciate what's been going on. Really <laughs> amazing. Amazing. I mean, we're not set, we're not set up for this. We kind of do it from the side, but the, I think some of the product you've been getting, if the product is the right word, uh, the thing that they're putting out now is really far above where what we've spent and where we are. It's really an amazing thing that's going on. So, does our, do we go beyond the valley what are our strengths? Look, I just, I've just told our teams over and over, and I said, let me tell you something. Just because we have maybe an 80% attrition rate during the summer, I, way higher than any other church in the valley, I can guarantee you. There's not another church in the valley that loses many people come June that we do, and may always be the case. Rather than us going down and moping around and going, oh, man, all of our people left. Because I said, we're not going to mope because we do have people that are still here. And what, are we moping around because we lost some people? Let's minister to the people that we have here. Uh, that are here during the summer. But, and let me be clear, is this an advantage? I think it might be an advantage. I don't think it's. I now I said, let's turn this. Rather than seeing this as a disadvantage to have some kind of linear growth, let's turn this thing on its head and say, no, this is where God has called us. This is going to be a great advantage. We just haven't really been able to see yet how that will look. Are you with me? This could be a great advantage, especially with the ambassador program and other things that you've seen. Now, in closing let me just say our worship look we're going to have an amazing worship team one day I'll, I'll tell you we will and i love our i love our videos i personally do you say why and i said because i pick them out <laughs> and so And one of the reasons I pick them out, I don't want somebody else to pick them out because, you know, worship is a divider. It doesn't usually, it should bring us together. It tends to divide. Uh, I know we do a little bit of hymn and we do the best we can. And somebody said we didn't have a hymn enough this morning. That third song was not a hymn enough for me. And I have had people tell me and we've had people leave. And look, I know that. But I want you to come to me. You can blame it on me. There's nobody on our staff that you can blame it on. I pick the songs. So you have a problem with the songs, you can come talk to me. 1-800-PASTOR-LOVE. Okay, so, all right. So, what's going to happen with our worship in the future? I don't know. Now, here's the big question, and this is the big one. What's going to happen with our facility? Now, for those of you, and this is important, I think it's one of the big questions that people really have now. What's going to happen with our facility? How, are we, do we have longevity here? Are we going to be here for a while? We don't know. You know, we don't have a lot of foresight. We're at University of California, Riverside. So you, <laughs> I can't believe we're here. Don't tell them. Shh. It's amazing that we're here. It's a phenomenal. Has this been a great place to launch? Now, do you? Now, let me ask you a question. Do you really think you, as the demographic tend, that we tend to have, do you think that we would have ever fit in a high school? I mean, uh, you, do you think we could be setting up chairs and doing all that kind of thing and fit in a junior high or high school, or do you think we can go back? I don't know. I guess maybe we could if God calls us to do that. But I don't see it, it's not in my heart, nor was it. And you know that we signed the lease on this place on the drop dead date of June 30th. Had we signed one day later, we wouldn't have launched and we may not have even come into existence. We know that God is in this. But now more than ever, to try to imagine building a church, let me just tell you briefly what's happened in the last number of months. We've been looking, scouring, we've got a team of amazing guys led by Richard Hollab and others Uh, that have done an amazing job. Chris Herman and some of these guys, Rudy and uh, and Craig, Bryant. all these guys, done an amazing job of scouring and scouring and scouring, led by Richard. We made an offer on a piece of property about uh, two months ago. And uh, we were rejected. Uh, Our offer, that said, we're not going to sell to a church. And uh, we'd done some work and prayed about it a lot. And and I said, fine, I'm looking for God's will. Can, Can I just tell you something? I'm too old to have a vanity project. I don't need a vanity, I don't need to build anything, I'm perfectly content here, but I'm telling you right now from what you can see, do you think we have much capacity to grow from here? We're barely into the beginning of season, 1030 usually is even larger than 830, do you think we have a capacity, we can't even go to three services here, I don't know what the future holds, but we are capped, if we were to start to build today, we're probably three years out from what I understand. Is God calling us to a strip mall? I don't know. We, we've tried. We've talked to everybody. Nobody seems to want to sell to a church. With CCNRs and everything that are engaged, this valley's a tough place. Could we go out in the middle of nowhere, way outside the city, and get a cheap piece of property? and that? Yes, but is it our calling? So, uh, Mike McAuliffe is here, a a great architect uh, that has been commissioned by us. Would you like to see at least something, maybe just dream? I don't know if God's going to do this. I'm not going to push anything on you. I'm not going to force anything. We're too young, and we will not. I'll tell you right now, we've got some very conservative trustees. Can I just tell you that right now? And that is good. We will not be getting deep into debt. I can tell you that right now. The Lord is either going to do this or he's not going to do this. And I'm fine. Can I just tell you? I'm fine either way. Sure, I get excited about the possibility of actually having a place where we could meet during the week. Do you realize, do you realize what we pay here to be five hours one day a week? It would boggle your mind. If you want to know the numbers, see Randy. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, it's amazing, but it's a beautiful place, isn't it? Doesn't it fit? It's intimate. It's nice. It's got... Could you go back to throwing some, the strip mall and throwing some carpet over a deal and put some folding chairs up? Could you go back to that? Maybe you could. Maybe you could. Maybe we will. I don't know. But we uh, commissioned Mike to say, look, gave him, Richard gave him some parameters. This is set on a piece of property that we do not own. I don't know. Maybe there's somebody in here who owns a piece of property. I have no idea. I know Barnabas just showed up. He sold a piece of property, and that's how the church launched. And he got involved, and all of a sudden, the next thing he knows, he was a business guy that owned a piece of property, and he's traveling around with Apostle Paul. Do you think he has any regrets about that now? Boy, I wish I would have saved that piece of property because, Jeff, are you manipulating us trying to coerce a piece of property out of us? No, I'm not. I, I, I'm. <laughs> all I'm saying is I don't know what the Lord's going to do, and he's going to have to move on us as a community. This is not going to be a top-down thing. I'm, everybody with me? This is not going to be a top-down. Here's what we're doing. Everybody's got to buy in and have fundraiser after fundraiser after fundraiser and, you know, and all that kind of thing. There's, look, there's, we're not going to do that. We're not going to do that. Either God's going to do it in the hearts of our people or He's not. So let's look at the first picture of potentially what could be the future home of of church at the Red Door. Now, this particular piece of property is just a piece of property. It's something that we have looked back all the way to a year and a half ago when we talked about maybe having a piece of property, putting a sprung structure, a permanent tent on it until we could actually build. We got this close to it, and virtually overnight, all of us said, it's not the Lord. It was the most amazing move. I think I was in Spain, We had the Carlson somewhere. Everybody was different places all around the country. And virtually, we had done legal work. We had spent quite a bit of money on some formulating an LLC and done all this. And all of a sudden, virtually overnight in our spirits, it's like, it's not the Lord. And we just nixed the whole thing without this place thinking, well, we probably won't launch. And then this emerges. See, the Lord is in this. And if he's not, I don't want to be part of it. Are you with me? Do you want to be part of something that is just a vanity project or something? No, not at all. But do we have a call? So the second picture, let's look at the second picture. Wouldn't that be beautiful? Could you imagine something like that uh, on that piece of property? That was a Jefferson and 49th piece of property. That may be a little bit more, that's the limit to the uh, East Valley that we go. Our corridors are somewhere between Jefferson and uh, about Monterey, which is where we are. Closer or farther from the freeway, we don't know. But that's a general sense in which we feel like that we're called. Okay, next, interior. Wouldn't that be cool? Wouldn't that be cool? Now, you say, why this? And let me just say this. And this goes into the, vintage, uh, the vision and then we'll close. Part of the vision that is in my heart, just dream with me for a second. Okay, will you do that? I'm not saying we're going to do this. I don't know what the Lord's going to do. Just dream with me. Every day I turn on the television, every day I see the culture wars that are going on, and I know some of the truth among scientists. I know some of the amazing things. So what if we were to get a cadre during the course of a year? Look, having spent a half a year in Aspen, I am very well aware of the Aspen Institute. Okay, these are bring, they, a lot of them are politicos, but a lot of them come in, amazing people that will come in. And the people come in there and they fly in there for maybe two months during the summer and they all go to this Aspen Institute and they get all this input and input and input and what's going on in China and business and political stuff and, and all the different the humanities and everything. It's amazing. It's a cultural little hotspot there in Aspen, but most of it is obviously not driven towards the glory of Jesus. Here in the Valley, we have the Indian Wells Speaker Series. We have all kinds of speaker series. I know when we have a particular Bible study at a club sometimes in the evenings, I'm like half the people are gone. oh, it must be a speaker series evening. Now, let me have you dream for a second. What if we did have, and I call this a mini McCallum theater. What if we had a mini McCallum, something that would uh, inspire and engage, and what if we were to bring historians, anthropologists not political people, but scientists, physicists, and, and then even bring uh, adversarial positions on to where we'd have a debate, or, or call it what you want, uh, a nice dialogue and back and forth about you know different things like evolution and all those different kind of things, regardless of what side. And we may even have two Christians, one Christian, Christian evolutionist and one who says, no, there's no evolution. We, and let, let people invite the community. Are you following me? What if we had a kingdom-driven speaker series? Now, why? Because we care about the sheep in the other fold. How many of you have you said, look, I've invited my friends at the club or whatever, where you are in the valley. He said, I've invited them to come to church a million times or come to a Bible study. They have no interest in coming. They have no interest in coming. We have to remove stones. In the end, we'll always be a church who's seeking to go out, remove stones out of the people's way, i invite them in to a place where they could come inside the walls and feel comfortable. I hope if you're here and you don't even believe in Jesus, you don't even know if there's a God and you're here this morning, I hope this is a comfortable, safe, beautiful place for you to come and actually do your due diligence. And then have these outreaches and have these things constantly going on that would invite in some amazing social commentators, like I said, and other people in right in the middle of it and give us, as the speaker said yesterday at Mama's house, a seat at the table. Do we want to see? Are we really going to talk about, oh, we're going Im- to impact the valley culturally? Really? How? How? Maybe this is it. I don't know. I don't know. Let's see what God might do. And then finally, this Ariel, you know, could it be, could it be that we could have something that would actually in, be enticing to the demographic in which we've come? Look, Paul said it clearly, we become all things to all men, that by all means we might save some. I don't know if there's, I think there's capacity among our church already. One of our uh, precious elders was involved in a church of 125 in Santa Fe as an elder. They had about 125 to 150 people. And God said, move, and they moved. And within a very short order, they had a $17 million church built in santa fe they then quadrupled in size and they're impacting the culture in santa fe now will god do that i have no idea i don't know but all i'm saying is that we have to give some cast some vision can we be here forever it's not sustainable we need a presence in the valley is it this have no idea but right now that's where we've been called i hope this morning has given you a sense of where we've come in one year where we might be going i don't know but I do know we're called, and I do believe many of you are called to be with us, and I do believe that we're going to impact the valley. And I believe it's, uh, it's, there's, there's bright days ahead for Church at the Red Door. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for these amazing presentations by our pastors and our, some of our precious people that are here. As Gina McConnell was speaking, it brought tears to my eyes. Lord, you want to do something both locally, And I think you want to do something also beyond the walls of CRD and even beyond the boundaries of the Coachella Valley. Lord, it may just be fanciful thinking, Lord, but you are a God of miracles. Is there a chance we could actually build a church in this day and this time? I don't know. I know there are many challenges, but, Lord, you are a God of the miraculous, and you will move on your people's hearts, or you won't, and I will be. I have determined to be content... Either direction, because we know we're called, Lord. For those who don't know Jesus here this morning, Lord, this may have got, got it may have put them to sleep, but it also may have it inspired them to say, "Well, you know, maybe there is something to this Jesus thing, this kingdom thing that I want to explore more." So, Father, we we bow before you as a community. We worship. You are the King. Every knee will bow, and every tongue confess and we will go to our graves. I pray as a community, Father, living for you, making sure that you deserve, you get what you deserve, which is all the glory and the power and the honor. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Have a great day, and we love you at Church at the Red Door.